always at this point in time, right before my class begins. I longingly wish that I was auditing. I don't know how many of you have experienced being an auditor before. I was not introduced personally to the goodness of auditing until I was in graduate school. An auditor takes a class for no credit. You are exempt from a lot of the work. You don't have to study. You don't have to do any of the assignments, take the test, or write any of the papers. You do attend the class and get all the helpful information, but you don't have the burden of the coursework. You get to participate, but not nearly as much is expected of an auditor. Pastor Tony Evans is fond of saying you don't get to audit the Christian life. Many of us would like to, as if the Christian life is attending a college class where you don't have to do any of the work. We continue with our journey through the book of Ephesians, a book written to Christ followers in a particular region. The book of Ephesians is divided clearly into halves. The hinge between the two sections of Ephesians is anchored in the word therefore. We find that word in Ephesians 4.1. Therefore, connecting everything God is and does, chapters 1 through 3, with everything we are and do, chapters 4 through 6. We hear Paul declaring in Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. We've seen in Ephesians that God welcomes us as family and that we are recipients of grace. But remember, there is a responsibility to grace. There is something for us to do. Following Jesus demands something of us. There will be evidence that we are engaged, participating in God's mission, his redemptive mission here on earth. And there will be evidence that we are experiencing personal change and transformation because of the very presence of the Holy Spirit and the life of God within us. You don't get to audit the Christian life. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are not merely truths to be learned and believed. They are to be lived. Theologian Karl Barth insists that we are always and forevermore beginners in the Christian life. For Barth, the Christian life is all grace from beginning to end. And so a Christian is always a beginner, learning and leaning upon God's grace in all things. I find these words from Karl Barth to be quite comforting. All the Christian life can never at any stage or in any form be anything but the work of beginners. What Christians do becomes a self-contradiction when it takes the form of a trained or mastered routine, of a learned and practiced art. They may and can be masters and even virtuosos in many things, but never in what makes them Christians, God's children. Friends, none of us, not a one of us, is a perfected, finished product. 
all of us united in our need to grow and having room to grow, to grow more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ by the presence and power of the Spirit with us. The New Testament teaches, and Paul is saying here that you can change and that we need to change. It is possible to grow into the likeness of Christ. Today's passage read earlier by Ron and Anna begins, you must no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their minds. Paul reminds the community who they need to be apart with Christ and who they used to be, excuse me, apart from Christ and says, you can't live like that anymore. Paul continues in today's scripture to emphasize the importance of speaking. The passage is chock full of practical advice and how to do it. Paul begins first with the negatives. Here's what not to do in your life together. First a negative and then a positive. Don't do this, but do this. For example, don't tell lies, but do speak truth with others and to others. Don't let evil talk come out of your mouths, but do speak words that build others up. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't fester and nurture anger for too long a period of time. But do be angry, especially when the values of the gospel are violated, but in your anger, do not sin. We see here in chapter four, Paul's yearning for the community to grow up in faith. We have a natural desire to grow. Doorposts in houses mark the growth of family members as they grow up throughout the years. We mark the, the journey from one grade to the next with children every year. We celebrate together milestones of crawling, walking, speaking, sharing, bike riding, reading, multiplying, driving, and working. We are wired to grow. Maturity in Christ is God's purpose for us. Eugene Peterson's book, Practice Resurrection, unpacks what it means to fully grow up to maturity in Christ. We are born. It's a glorious event. Birth brings us alive, kicking and screaming into a world both beautiful and sometimes terrible because of the disease of sin. One day on waking up, we stand upright and amaze everyone with our pedestrian feet. It isn't long before we're comfortable with language, using nouns and verbs with the best of them. We are growing up. The human task is to become mature. And not only in our bodies, in our emotions, in our minds, but also in our relationship with God and in our relationship with other persons. Growing up involves the work of the Holy Spirit forming us, shaping us into the likeness of Christ. Friends, we need to reach for some maturity. We need to grow up. The way we talk is a good place to start. We live in a society saturated with words. A study conducted by UC San Diego reports that the average American consumes about 100 
thousand words of information in a single day, information that crosses our eyes and our ears, but the more that words bombard us, perhaps the less they mean to us. Part of the problem is the way we use our words. With our words, we build up and tear down. We inform and we deceive. We bless and we curse. We all know that words can hurt. With our mouths, we can so easily destroy another human being. Words have great power. What we say and how we say it matters. Before you speak, especially when opinions vary and stakes are high and emotions are running strong, I wonder if you would consider these three questions, simple questions to consider. Is it necessary? Is it truthful? And is it helpful? Is it necessary? Is it true? And is it helpful? Just because we can say something doesn't mean we always should. The goal is to treat others as God has treated us in Christ. When I was in high school, my mom surprised me one day by saying she wanted to take me out to dinner. It was a big deal for our family ever to go out to dinner. We ate most of our meals at home. So off we went to Quincy's Family Steakhouse, which at the time was, for me, very exciting. They had these amazing yeast rolls and a mega buffet. I should have known something was up because my mom and I never went to dinner, just the two of us. I think I got distracted by those yeast rolls. So soon after sitting down, ready to eat our dinner, I learned that there was an agenda to our night together. Mom took me to dinner because she wanted to talk to me. Because the weekend prior, I had done something that was very harmful and damaging and quite selfish, to be honest, to one of my closest friends. I tried to hide it, but my mom found out as moms often do. And my mom was concerned. Friendships were really important to my high school self. I prided myself on being a good friend and, and having many friends. Friendship was a high value then. It's a high value still for me to this day. But my action the weekend prior did not align with my values, which my mom brought lovingly and clearly to my attention. She also helped me to see that I was a part of a particular family and Families carry with them particular identifying characteristics. And my mom encouraged me to make a change in order that I might grow, to grow into becoming a more loving, trustworthy friend. My mom did this because she loved me too much for me to stay the same. Family of God, God loves you and your family and your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers 
your enemies, Christ's church, and the people you most disagree with in this divided nation too much. God loves all of that in those too much to allow you to stay the same. Friends, it is possible to grow more and more into the likeness of Christ, who is our example in all things. And God longs for us to grow and to grow in our ability to use words that unite instead of divide and to build up rather than tear down. And one way we do this, we see this in scripture, is through imitation. Paul mentions this several times in several of his letters, that one way that we can grow is that we find someone else who is imitating God, who is living a life of God where they are walking in love in some way. Find someone who is walking in love in some way and imitate them as they themselves imitate God. It's a way we help one another to grow. I wonder... What unhealthy patterns or habits do you notice that lead you away from God? And with the understanding that community is absolutely essential, who are the people you need to walk alongside you? Others you can imitate who themselves are imitating God in some way to help you live in love. Because this will require leaving behind an old way of being and putting on the new. I encourage you to reflect upon these questions and to consider to reflect upon the ways that you are practicing and not auditing the Christian life. Brothers and sisters, leaning upon God's grace, let us lead a life worthy of the calling to which we have been called. Remember who you are and whose you are. You are God's beloved. Let's begin again and go out and bless God's world with practical expressions of love. In all of God's people, together we say, amen.